0: Hello and uh, welcome to this edition of Vagabond, where we will be talking about all things uh, related to acting. And let me introduce you to the people in the party. They are Andrea Martin in Majorca.
1: Hello, everybody. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm um, doing quite well here. Thank you.
0: Good, good. And we have Brian Kasp, who is in
2: Prague, the Czech Republic. Hello, Brian. How's it going? How's it going? Uh, I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. (laughs) And
0: there is myself, uh, Gary Condes, who is presently in London, the UK. So let's kick it off. And let's start off by looking at how we're all coping due to the ongoing threat of this coronavirus. So Andrea, how's how's things in Mallorca, Spain? And how have you been coping with it and have you heard of or found your own ways of dealing with it in terms of your work and creativity?
1: Well, we are in week three here in Mallorca, which is a very interesting position to be in globally as we see what's happening around the world, what's, what's happened before us. It gives us great warning and pause and the decisions that are still being made in many other countries. It's taken very seriously here. Um, we're all, you know, obeying all of the, all of the precautions. And um, there's something, I think, in being in that state that's a little bit, it, it's not simply reassuring. I think it's a little, um, gives a bit of peace because you do feel like everybody's taking the same measures and people understand the enormity of something. It's like we're all in the same play. And I am looking at other communities, especially the one I've just left in Los Angeles, and I see people are in some are in comedies and some are in dramas, and they're just not on the same stage. There's so much conversation and discussion and judgment, and well, this is how you should do it, this is how you shouldn't do it, you know. Um, And that I really feel there's a level of anxiety there that I'm, I'm, happy not to necessarily be a part of it this time. And it makes me, of course, uh, worried for my loved ones there.
0: Yeah. And how about sort of into on, on the creative side? Mm-hmm.
1: It really is such a solitary pursuit in so many ways. And so, yes, I think some days I've been better than others at um, having a, a level of rigor for myself. And um, although, you know, we're, I suppose we're all used to that, you know, having to call upon a level of self-discipline. I find that music is helping me a great deal. So if I have some music with me or if I'm taking my breaks doing music and breathing exercises, that really helps me to get in the into the right headspace to create something or to think about what I want to do next. Um, there are some wonderful things I have on my to-do list. Uh, that include the business of acting, things that I think can be done at this time. But at the same time, I'm really trying to think outside of the box for myself in terms of what I want to create and how how I can go about it. So I'm still formulating some things, but that's okay. It's the process, and I'm I've, of course I'm always drawn to the process. So, what's the question.
0: most pressing thing? Forgive me for butting in, but what's the most pressing thing for you at the moment on that list?
1: Oh well. Really, it's my demo reel because um, I have footage that's mostly from the U.S. and I'm really acquainting myself with the casting sites here and casting directors' uh, interviews and points of view. And I've, you know, have some personal relationships with casting directors. I'm really trying to sort of assess um, the differences between the U.S. and the European markets on that front, and then get about editing my my demo pieces and then figure out what I want to create next in terms of um you know filming something. So that's probably the most pressing that for for me personally.
0: Great. Great. Mm-hmm. Well there's no end of things to do as we talked about last mm-hmm. week. So uh, you know mm-hmm. <laughs> I suppose making mm-hmm. a start is the the main thing, but having a plan as well. Great. Brian, hi yes. and, and hi. Yeah, same question to you really. How have you uh, been dealing with. Are you in the second or third week of lockdown? and are we're in the second week here in the UK. I think we
2: are approaching our third week. Uh, well, I have two kids who are both home from school, and so there's a certain amount of corralling them into doing schoolwork, making sure that they're doing things besides screen time, uh, cooking and cleaning around the house. So there's a certain amount of that kind of work that I've taken up. In terms of my my feeling about the artistry. I think there's a very interesting opportunity in all of this, which, you know, I went outside one day and just had to get out of the house for a little bit. And I just sat on a bench in the middle of, there was nobody else there. It was at a bus stop or something like that, or close to a bus stop. And I just sat in the sun and just sat there. And I think there's a real sense because certainly I haven't had to deal with any other hardship that has really been in my life besides this pandemic. And so something like being in the moment and dealing with tough situations that come your way, and it's not really ever been a challenge. And even this is, you know, when you think about refugees or people, you know, from Syria or, or something like that who are walking across Europe, it, it, it doesn't compare to that at all, what I'm going through. But I think it's a real opportunity for me to work on letting go of the fantasy of what should happen and embrace the the reality of what is happening and you know me starting to do that has made life much more simple and much more straightforward and to a certain extent it's less stressful because if you compare what should happen with what is happening in a time like this there's a lot of dissonance there Right. And so if you can let go of what should happen and just say, well, this is what it is, and I'm going to deal with what it is instead of what it should be, then I think that there's a lot of acceptance that goes along with that in a certain sense. Right. So that's kind of what I've been experiencing.
0: It sounds like, you know, I mean, everyone's going through it, I think, even whether if they're conscious of it or not. And um, in terms of stripping things right back to basics. Um, yeah. And, and, and that includes being forced, actually, dragged into into the present more. The thought that came to my mind is,
2: how might that feed into your acting? In a scene or in an exercise, if you can stay with what actually is happening instead of what you think should happen or where you think it should go, that there's a lot more potential for you to be affected in real time by what is happening uh, rather than trying to fight against what is happening and, and impose what should be happening there's a, it it can go to a lot a lot more magical places if you just go along with what is happening and when you broaden it out to what should be happening in your career or what what kind of auditions you should be getting or you book a job and you and, and you have this whole fantasy of what that job should be but the reality might be different and if and i and i've worked with people who that's a very tough clash for them where they book a job, it's not what they had imagined or fantasized about, and instead of saying, well, this is what it is, and I'm gonna take what I can from this job, well, from what it actually is, I'm going to have a bad feeling about what it should have been. And that can be very hard sometimes. Just kind of trying to be present and in the moment and in the now, as much as you can, um, leads to a lot less stress, generally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try, I, I don't know
0: yeah yeah I mean, I suppose it's just a reminder of all you've got is right here right now. you know there are schools of acting thought and there are teachings that ask you to prepare, but then just leave it all alone and 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 deal with the whatever's happening right here right now and I think we've got that we've got that in my macrocosm right now, yeah um and i'm I'm just wondering whether p- people who haven't necessarily trained a lot when we were talking about this last week, when they do go into a classroom and this is raised, might have a better intuition about that, better understanding about that. I mean, I know, Andrea, for you, um, you were talking about this last week when we were talking about training, um, that this is very important, being present and and really listening and doing the basic things. Has that sort of surfaced during this time?
1: Absolutely, and while I share the hope that for people who are not necessarily artists, but who are having you know this common human experience that we are having at the moment, that they may come to discover the magic of listening and being present, I, I suspect that many people who would most benefit from it might be spinning. <laughs> quite a bit right now. so
2: <laughs> There's a lot of denial, yeah. right? There's, There's a, a lot, lot of people going, wrong. no, this isn't a problem and this, I can just or, live my life just as I would. Yeah, yeah. well, right. that's why they're spinning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Because <laughs>
2: they need it. The yeah. Most. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So I do think if you have an inclination towards the arts in any way, you are probably at an advantage at this moment because you're used to taking in so many different um, elements. And – Making something new out of that and being really receptive, uh, to what's present, what's right or wrong or, you know, gray. So, so I, I, I find that people who are used to a, a higher level of structure and expectation are probably in greater struggle. Um, but certainly, yes, it absolutely underlines for me the value of, of listening in, and being present in, in our work. There's there's no question about it. There's another, there's another thing that I, I wanted to add. I was thinking about, about this as well this week. I'm noticing, you know, my child, like many children around the world right now is doing online learning. So for the most part, the only visual they have is the face of the teacher who's talking, you know, to anywhere from eight to 85 students at once. And The listening skills that are required of the students in this setting where they have no other way in, really, there's so little visual, um, you know, stimulation for them in this. It's really so much about the listening. And I see the challenge that that is, even for my own child, we've had we've had a number of conversations about it, you know, how to keep your focus on what you're receiving orally when you're used to being in a classroom setting and everything's bouncing at you, you know, whether you're a kinetic learner or a, you know, a visual learner or whatever it is um, there are so many more possibilities to be reached. And, um, and I think, you know, I I've had to help her attain some new skills about focusing and listening and really relying on that and finding quiet in herself or, you know closing our eyes sometimes to bring it inward and to focus on the voice so it's um it's an interesting shift that we're almost compelled to do in many ways is to is to turn on our ears better and um you know and to receive in in new ways
0: i I think that's uh, it's interesting because my my partner she's been working from home and um she's more exhausted because she's holding meetings with several people and it's not the same as being in the room where there are often more distractions and there's definite a, a, a definite requirement to focus more because there's there's less visual stimulus to distract you and therefore as you say more oral um stimulus so i was going to ask you actually brian um yeah in terms of have you come across anything sort of online or or heard about that is novel in terms of how people, actors particularly, are being creative or you yourself?
2: I, uh, there's been a few things that have come up in terms of someone will write a film, we'll all shoot it separately, and then, you know, someone will edit it together. And I'm... All in for that kind of thing. I don't know how it will work or if it will work. Um, but at this point, I'm like, let's just spend the time and do something and not worry about, you know, the final product because yeah. it's because it's about spending time. Um, as a teacher, you know, I'm, I'm teaching um, uh, Meisner technique, and so that generally requires the two partners to be in the same space. Uh, with each other, and I, I'm trying to think if there's a way to do it where you could do that virtually. I I think the lag would be uh, frustrating for everyone if if you're doing a, a video chat and it's laggy. But um, I haven't really seen uh, much except in a traditional like lecture type setting. Right. I've I've done a lecture on script analysis for students at the Prague Film School that seemed to work quite well but nothing in terms of acting so much.
0: Well, maybe uh, it's interesting because maybe, you know, you're talking about specifically the, the, you know, the repetition exercise, which very much requires two people to to be standing opposite each other and working off each other in the moment. Right. I mean, what if you, what if you dispensed with the visual element and you were just listening to each other, even though you couldn't see each other, that could be an interesting experiment.
2: Absolutely. I I know that at Playhouse West when I was there, one of the exercises, you would have to do it through a door just with the oral sense, senses. Yeah. I don't know how sustainable that would be, Yeah. but it's possible to do, had to have one class where you're doing that. Right.
0: Or at least um, students could do that themselves. Yeah, But I mean, exactly. it's, if, if there's a, you know, they, it requires less bandwidth to, to just do audio. Sure. So
2: sure, you could do that in real time. Yeah. For sure.
0: When you've got a problem and when actors aren't listening, I just say, well, so, turn your backs on each other and continue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah it's yeah. miraculous right the, the the difference you know so yeah exactly be the same thing something caught me today when i was just scrolling through i can't remember it it's facebook or instagram one of them and um there was basically two actors or two characters on either side of a door and what they'd done is they just cut from one from one side of the door to the other yeah uh, that's and, good and nice. it was pretty good you know, simple but but effective and 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 you know if you'd have told me that they'd have done that remotely I would have gone oh really I didn't didn't really notice because mm. they were cl- quite close up so you didn't see a lot of the background and all the rest of it but you know ultimately i think it goes back to what you've all been saying is particularly now and it's part of being here now is the process seems to be the most important thing you know mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's always the most important thing, really.
2: It's easy to get seduced by the result when, when you have an idea of what the path is going to be. Right. But at the moment, we don't have an idea of what the path is going to be. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So you have to be, let's try something. Right. I don't know.
0: Right. It's a, there's a spirit of fucking around. which is Yeah.
2: Cool. Okay. Well, Brian, I think you are going to kick this off. It's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I have a, a great love of building and maintaining your professional network. And it's not exactly um, the, the schmoozy kind of networking, like when you're at a party and you're just going up and meeting people. So it it can, that is an aspect of it, but it's about how to um, build and maintain your professional network of contacts that you have. And so I have some ideas here. I wa- I do want to hear maybe Andrea, I don't know if you've thought about this or how you personally, I know that you're, you're in the process of building that network in Mallorca, but you had a, a, an extensive network in, in Los Angeles, perhaps you're maintaining that network even though you've moved to Europe. So, you know, how do you, how, what do you feel about this?
1: Oh, I, this is a topic that's so interesting to me because I feel like I have existed on both sides of the emotional um, the emotional piece of this, which is on the one hand, it's really, really natural for me to create networks of all sorts, often very organically. And then there's another part of me that um, was, particularly when I was starting out, was really nervous about this word. I didn't like the word networking. It felt um, hokey and um, self serving and um, shallow. It feels
2: disingenuous, right? Yeah.
1: Disingenuous, absolutely. So I, I danced around that concept for a long time. So I really understand it when actors say, oh, what, oh networking. Right. I really get that feeling. I find that there's a base piece that for me has been really important to develop. And that that for me has always been a creative group. Like I need to find other actors whom I trust, whose skills I trust, um, whose hearts I trust, and whom I would like to play with and create with. And out of that has always come something really wonderful. And that's when you hear about projects, you get excited about projects. You feel like you're not in it alone, pushing this boulder up the hill. Um, you're stimulated in so many new ways. So for me, it has always begun with finding, finding my peers. So that, that you know moves into professional events. So I've had my Screen Actors Guild membership since I really left university. Um, but, you know, Screen Actors Guild is an amazing organization and there's so many, um, opportunities for learning and connecting that are born out of simply union membership. So I've tried to engage in that quite a bit. Um, films so, what them. does that
2: mean when you do that? So when you're engaged yeah. in that, what does that mean? Yeah. So going to the events or?
1: Yeah, attending events, or, talking to people, following up, asking questions at the Q&A, um, going, whether it's going to screenings or, you know, um, talks, whatever it is. There's a wide variety of, um, of, off- of offerings. And um, they, I always come away inspired in some way. And with mm-hmm. more energy to do that next piece of business, whatever it is for me. So um, that's been really, really helpful. Um, social media to some degree, but I'm, I'm not one of those people who um, I'm not even going to put a flavor on it. I, I'm, I'm cautious about social media. Um, I do mm-hmm. like, I do like Twitter, though. <laughs> for, um, connecting with film people. Interestingly, a woman in Los Angeles who, who taught about the business of acting, uh, she had a wonderful group going for a number of years and she did a talk one day about social media and I could feel it all rising up again in me when she was just talking about, you know, get on Twitter. And I was like, Oh,
2: why do you think that is though, that you have that? Oh, What, what do you think that is?
1: Well, I'd have to lay on the couch for that and start paying you a lot of money.
2: <laughs>
1: okay. I think that
0: goes. I mean, well, is it something you're on the metaphorical right? couch now, Andrea, so. Yeah,
2: exactly. We're on the couch. <laughs> there's no there's no judgment here. It's a safe space. I mean, is it something that you that you know what it is that you're responding to when you when you're when you're kind yeah. of hackles rise at uh, when 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 you think about social media? Is it the the kind of vapid self-promotion or is it, I yeah. know you were in a flow of talking about stuff, sure. but I think this is an interesting point about to look at these kind of things where you have this, such a strong reaction to something.
1: Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite open to social media, but I also try and think about every single thing I do there. And, um,
2: yeah.
1: right. And so I've made some very conscientious choices about what I post, how I post, when, where, uh, etc. And yeah. you know, I I can have fun with it. I I see it for it it's a fantastic tool, but at the same time I do see, yes, a lot of self-promotion there that's just it's just so extensive. It I think what rises up in me when she first said get on Twitter was like how am I in 140 characters supposed to do anything of value? But then she said, look, here's the thing. You can, you can have one-way communication. You can put things out into the world. You can send your envelopes of headshots and resumes, which we've been doing all for all these years. You can send that out and never know where they land. You can put a, a post on Facebook and never know where it lands. But guess what? The casting directors are on Twitter, and you can talk with them directly. Yeah. You can reach that casting director in person on Twitter. And, and I don't know another format where you can do that. And that moment for me was really helpful because I thought, okay, then I know how to behave myself. You know, if I'm talking to a casting director whom I admire on Twitter, I know I'm not going to make a fool of myself and I'm not going to waste her time if she chooses to answer. Wonderful. We'll have a lovely little love fest. Um, yeah. And so I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And right away, I started looking up my favorite arts critics, you know, architecture critic from LA Times, the wonderful Charles McNulty of the LA Times, you know, theater critics, film critics, um, teachers, casting directors, people whose work I really admired in lots of different disciplines. And I found a lot of them there. And I was so interested to see, you know, another side to their personalities and their points of view beyond what they were publishing or putting in the movie theater, you know. So I actually found um, that that was a tremendous tip for me, and that that opened something up for me internally to say, hey, you know, there are maybe new ways of communicating that don't that aren't cheap and tawdry. (laughs) They can be actually quite lovely in the right hands. So, um, so you know, along the way, I have I have grappled with this this nasty n-word for me of networking and um and i I like I i try to tune into the idea of being peers whether it's actors or people in the film community or theater community or artists if i think of it that way then i then i think i can sort of deconstruct the mythology that i have built up around it a little bit which is like oh you know, just one more headshot in the pile. I'll be bothering them. If I call the office, I'll be bothering them. It's a little bit of, of that yeah. that I think is always, um, which made me which. If you back.
2: call, you might be. You know, like I think some of yeah. that caution is actually well founded. If you are, because a call is not asynchronous, right? right. If you're calling, right. you're saying you need to talk to me on my schedule. When you know uh, all of us you know, on this podcast for sure, but anyone who's listening, you should know that agents, casting directors, even, you know, directors and producers or people like that, actors probably have the time to take your call. But like the people who are really, really hustling, um, if a call is something where you are saying, you need to talk to me on my time and an email or, uh, or a tweet at someone or something that is asynchronous is mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, this is out here. Take a look at it when you get a chance. If you like it, great. If you don't, that's fine." Yes. That's yeah. Absolutely. So it's a lot. It's a lot. You're asking a lot less of them person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um to call. I don't even call my agent unless <laughs> I have something that I need to get get if I need an answer right away, I don't call them. I don't, they don't they're busy. I want them to be working, you know. Yes. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah, but so okay. I think just the the, the networking thing. There, there's an emotional component that rises up in me, and I just wanted to be, you know, transparent about that because that that's simply that's been a struggle that I have faced, and I know many many actors face when we talk about networking. It's a it's a it's this thing that rises up, which absolutely which has a great deal of judgment in it, and which can ultimately, you know, really not serve us.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I would just think you know do, the way that I asked you. Well, what do you think that is that's rising up? I think that that's you know when, when I'm whenever I'm teaching and something along those lines comes up in students, which it comes up for all of us, right? All of us have these things that come up, and it's just, you know like your sphincter kind of tightens and your gut is like, ugh, right? I think it's always good to examine what that is and to say what is it that I'm actually reacting to. Um yes because- for sure.
1: it's absolutely about value it's about yeah. you know do i have the do i have the value to be in their space to right. ask time of them um to ask them to take my call or open my email or whatever it is it's 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 finding it's a, it's being okay with my own membership in the artistic community that's really right. what it is for me, you know
2: which, it's my which parents is a
1: big, telling me, it'll be a yeah. lovely hobby.
2: Yeah, is that it? yeah exactly. It's exactly. That
1: thing. Yeah. And, and it then, says, well, they're and then we're, Even though I've been a uh, union member, you know, working actor since for many years, I, there's yeah. still a little voice that says, well, they're the professionals.
2: Right. Yeah. That's right.
1: So who am I to that's network right. with? That, that, that's, that's the that's core right. I have to look at and um, breathe into.
2: That's right. And yeah. so for people, for yourself, for sure, for, for me too, right? For any of us, but for the people that are out there that are listening to this, I mean, to to hear that and to, once you make that, once you shine a light on that fear mm-hmm. or, or that sense of, oh, I'm not worthy to be here with these other people who are doing this for a living and who am I to be in their space, right? Which is a totally valid, you know, it's totally understandable whether it's rational or not, is, to, is a different thing, but it's totally understandable for people to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you shine a light on it and say, this is what it is, then you can make a decision about whether you are going to, as, as someone who has agency, to override that fear or that thought or whatever, or your parents telling you, you know, you're trying, oh, you know, this is, it's a nice hobby or whatever, right? Because, I, I don't know, maybe not every actor, but so many of us Have that experience where, well-meaning or not, the people that are around you that care about you that don't want you to have a hard life as an actor, uh, right? And they go, "Oh man, that's a hard profession." Or you know, it's a nice hobby, but what are you going to do for your real job? Or you know, all these questions about not doing it. I think that that experience, for the most part, for for certainly in my life, that was an experience that was earlier in my life, and now at a certain point. That is not my current experience, and even if for some people that are might might be out there listening, even if that is your current experience, you have agency over that experience that is that it is your choice right to to for a large majority of people if if you're being supported by your parents and 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 you're living at their house then there's there's other considerations maybe but for for a large majority of people, we're carrying the burden. Of this psychological pressure of what we do isn't uh, isn't a good job choice, <laughs> but but it's, I think it's worth for anyone when those kind of fears or those kind of responses come up in any aspect of what we do, it's worth looking at what that is and saying, "Oh, this is what it's coming from. That's a valid fear or that's something from my past that mm-hmm. is not valid anymore, and I can choose to go with it or not.
1: right. Let me put one other idea out there that I think actors come into conflict with and which I've also faced. And Gary, maybe you have some ideas on this. When we, It's like we, we all love process, right, the three of us. We love craft. We love craftsmanship, the exploration. And then we talk about the business of acting, in this case, networking. And it's like the left and right brains go off. <laughs> <laughs> and they do battle. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's as if actors feel that they've, number one, either they have to choose between spending their time on craft or the business, or number two, they're probably inclined one way more than the other. And so they're either going to be the greatest actor nobody's heard of, or they're going to be like the best mediocre actor <laughs> who's getting jobs out there. You know what I mean? Like there's that, there's a bit of that push and pull, craft versus business networking connecting. What do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Uh, it's a yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's actually this is a bigger topic than I uh, actually first imagined. The <laughs> idea of networking now, the way we're talking about it and getting into it is it really is a bigger, a whole bigger topic than I imagined. And there's a lot I, I've listened to you two talk and I've, I've, I've been. There's a lot going going on in my mind, and I'm trying to be able to grab hold of it because there's lots of disparate thoughts. But I was thinking, oh,
2: just jump in, Gary. Yeah,
0: jump in. The water's wonderful. Yeah, let me try. Let me try and splash about. And, and yeah, it, it, I was thinking there was Andrea talking about social media, and this, which is bright, right, right bang up to date. And I was thinking, well, before social media, because we were all actors, we we're of that age, folks. I'm afraid, but we were, were actors before way before social media you're mailing uh, out postcards i remember that you're right exactly mm-hmm. and and yeah. i you know, i used to sit there writing 100 letters to casting directors with my you know uh headshot uh, black and white in those days and yeah and, and sending them off and and you know and just hoping there would be a response and obviously there wasn't and 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 <laughs> and, and i i mean hard to believe now and my my teaching has had a big effects on my ability to to socialize but previously i wasn't particularly social and i wasn't very good in social situations and Mm -hmm. i was doing a lot of theater and then in the bar afterwards i would be there would be a mix a contrasting mix of absolute awe and absolute resentment of these actors who could go up to cast and directors who'd come to see you and smooth that smooth their way in Mm. like you bastards how do you do that Uh, You know, and and also you bastards, why do you do that? Why should you do that? You know, and part of it, I think if I'm truly is, is I did not want to, part of it was coolness. I did not want to come across as desperate, Mm -hmm. but that was just me. And that was my, one of my things that I was sort of hanging on to there. And maybe deeper down, you know, there is that fear that you've just broached, the fear of, of rejection and the fear of fucking up and the fear of not coming across good rather than just, you know, going up and having a conversation. Most most of them were totally amicable, uh, uh, as I found later on, and would, you know, have a chat. But there was some part of me, part of it was definitely, I didn't feel I had the, the social skills to do that. But also part of it for me was... Coolness i didn't want to seem desperate, and therefore you know it shouldn't be like this you shouldn't have to do that. They should ask me on my merit on what they've seen on the stage and you know that's mm-hmm. that's foolish i mean there's a foolishness to that, and there's an arrogance to that, and there's also a sense of safety in that too there is a safe sense of safety, but there's also a sense of um wanting things to be as authentic and 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 true as possible how misguided, however misguided it might have been or is there's definitely a sense of that in but yeah. I'm just going to drag you right up to date. So now we've got social media. And I totally agree with Andrea. I mean, I avoided it and I'm on it now and you will not see what I have for breakfast or my exercise um, um <laughs> <laughs> We want
2: to though, Gary. What yeah, did you have? Well, Come I'm on, afraid. what did you have?
0: It's one of the secrets that you'll Come on, that spill it. you're going to have to, you know, uh remain unknown what I have for breakfast. But I use it for work and it's purely for work because I see there is a utility in it and there is a good use. It's like anything, right? If you abuse it, it's bad, but if you use it in the right way, it can help. However, I am find myself getting dragged in this fine line of is that boasting too much or is that, you know, you know, the the Facebook launched this phrase the humble boast or the humble brag where you really do get an insight into people in how they use social media. Maybe in the way that back in the old days, you, you 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 a person would reveal themselves for the the way they operated after a performance or or at an at a, at a networking session or whatever. But yeah. you know, it's the same way as how people use you know social media now to network and promote. Now, I do use it for my work. I hope I use it in an educational way, in a kind of you know, in a way that is is more thoughtful, perhaps maybe not as cool. Or, or or funky as, you know, some of the younger people. But, but hopefully I'm adding something that attracts people's attention because that's what ultimately is. And it has done because I'm getting a lot of work inquiries through it. But yeah. there is the dark side to it. And now also there's so much available to us, you know. Networking to me, when you broached that subject to speak today, I, yeah. I immediately thought back to... Um and I'm sure you've all you've both experienced this was a night particularly put on somewhere, maybe a theatre or even a hotel where it was oh. purely for actors. And, and you remember, right? And you brought yeah. you, you brought you brought your stack of photos and maybe a oh. card, your business card, and you know, you talk shit to people or to try hopefully getting a job that you result in in cut and connections but networking now is is you know is so social media driven um to the point where you know the amount of followers you have um is an eye catcher uh and has been for a while it's nothing new but um it's a big topic and and Just finishing off with what Andrea said towards the end of of what she was just saying, um, right brain, left brain or whatever it is, 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 yeah, it's this interplay between I feel compelled to have to do something, but also, you know, it doesn't feel authentic and yet part of the business. And, you know, and... I absolutely agree that, and I think maybe that's why we've all gravitated to this, um, is that I certainly, no matter how much or little I did of traditional or new contemporary forms of networking, I am always trying to find people who I can just be in a room with comfortably and do the fucking acting.
1: Yes. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And that, that has provided a form of networking for me. Yeah, you know, because there are people who want to be stars and go perp and I don't mind that. I mean, they if they know that, I'd rather they'd not be in class and go this is great, you know, it's like what Catherine Hepburn said when she went to the uh, to to the actor's studio. It was like I can see what you're all doing, Mr. Strasberg, but I want to be a star, right? And she and, and off she went. And and that's fair enough. Um, um and there's a lot of people who really, you know, there's so much available now, success coaching, success workshops casting technique workshops i mean i offer that to a certain extent but it's like you know what here's something novel actors um just learn to be good actors do the work
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully the rest will follow you know um although you, you can't you know you can't you you got to you got to get out of bed for it to happen certainly i'm not saying yeah you know but there's that balance and i'm not sure where that balance is and it seems to have slid it, there seems to be less, less of a structure to that and less of a a boundaries to, to what that that sort of ethical,
2: right, authentic way is. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to get practical now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, from, okay. So, so I get that when you say networking, the, the thing that both of you guys talked about was this kind of event where the, the, the active networking is going up and meeting new people which i think is a part of it like I, like i was saying at the beginning when i when i was introducing the topic but my kind of deal with networking is this that is just the initial contact so i and i think this might shift it for you guys and hopefully for, for people that are listening as well which is that What I'm focused on when I'm talking about networking or building your network and maintaining it is the idea that the people that you know now, let's forget for a second about going to a party and meeting new people, right? You, after a press night or whatever, you've done a great job, nobody's talking to you. Forget about that. Think about the people that are already the people that you talk to now and think about what happens five, 10, 15 years from now, where those people are going to be, who those people are going to know, what kind of projects those people are doing. Some of them will have left the business. Some of them will have changed careers and will be working in a production company or working for a director or directing themselves or whatever it is, right? We all, every single one of us, if you think about where we were 15 years ago, are in different places now, know different people. And so, my my take on networking or it, it's not really networking it's it's building a network it this mostly comes um from a, another podcast that i that i listen to called manager tools which is not in the arts it's about um like corporate management um but they it, this is i have to give credit to them for this is this is their idea which is this which is this you make a list and this is the mercenary kind of not very touchy-feely, so this might not feel good for some people, but you make a list of the people that you know that are people that you think, I should keep in touch with this person. And you put them in some kind of system. I have a Google calendar that is just for this, so I'll put one person on one day, and I'll say, hey, get in touch with so and so, this director that I know, or whatever, right? Someone that I've worked with. It doesn't have to, you know, it can be directors that you've worked with. If you do, you know, three or four plays a year with different directors, let's say, I don't know if that's good or bad, but like, let's say that's what you do. After 10 years, you'll have 40 directors that you'll, that you'll have in your, that you've worked with. And each of those directors are going to be going out and having careers. So you don't, it's not about, I don't have the confidence to go and meet new people. It's about the people that I already know. I got to keep in touch with them because over time, that those contacts, if you do not keep in touch with them, those contacts will decay. There's people that I knew in high school that are uh, absolutely famous A-list, A-list actors right now that I do not know anymore because I didn't keep in touch with them. There's people that I knew from when I was living in LA who now are the heads of studios or showrunners right and I've kept in touch with them and it's not that keeping in touch with them automatically means that they give me more work but it's it's about keeping that kind of contact alive and active so what I do like I said if you have a contact like a director that you're currently working with or someone that you know that's a director, right? Could be in directing school. Could be someone that you knew from drama school who was studying production or directing or something like that. Great, you don't have to, that's that's a contact that's your level. Put them in a calendar. Have that Have that event recur every three or four months, right? And then when that comes up in your calendar, If you've contacted them in the last three or four months, great, you're done. If you haven't, maybe you'll reach out to them with an email or if it's someone that you know, well, maybe it's a phone, maybe it is a phone call or a text or something like that and saying, Hey, how's it going? How's that project that you're working on? Um, What, what have you been up to in the last little bit? Uh, Or I saw that movie that you were doing or something, something that is innocuous, something that is just keeping the contact alive. And so that every you know, three or four times a year, every three or four months, depending on who it is, you're kind of reaching out to the people that you already have in your in your stable of people that you know, and then over time, as you meet more people, um, maybe you know, uh, maybe you you work on a production like almost every production that I work on, I try to get and as many contacts of the people that I'm working with as possible. And I try to keep in touch with them. You know, I'll have people from productions that I've worked with years ago that I still keep in touch with. Um, and it's and it's and it. Sometimes people will do it organically, and and sometimes that will work. But I think that if you if it's a thing where you think about, I need to. I I really like working with this director. Like, let's say you work on a commercial. This has happened to me before. You work on a commercial you've got a big enough part in the commercial that you are, you know, maybe you go out to dinner with the director once, maybe you're getting a lot of direction from them. Maybe that that person is really like, you know, you're working really well. It's not abnormal to go up to that director and say, Hey, uh, I would, re- I would really like to keep in touch with you. W- would you mind giving me your email? Right. That's not an abnormal thing to do. Maybe it takes a little bit of, courage to do it. But if you've had a good working relationship, it's doable. And then every so often, you just keep in touch. And I've done that with people. And I have to say that that one thing of keeping in touch with people, maybe I should have said that instead of networking, but keeping in touch with people is, has led to a significant amount of work that has come my way. Right. And maybe it's not Oh, I'm automatically going to get to the job, but it's definitely led to auditions. It's definitely led to people reaching out and contacting me. So, you know, so that's what I'm talking about with, with, with networking, not to say that the process of socializing in a schmoozy kind of way is not traumatic for most actors who are usually introverts. That's definitely true. And I, I think as, as I've grown up, I feel that less and less, but certainly, um, you know, towards the beginning of my, of my career. And, um, you know, when I was in LA for sure, I was like, this sucks having to, having to socialize in this way. It really sucks. But this idea of keeping in contact with the people that you know, and having those contacts mature and stay alive over time is something that I, I really feel like that is key to any successful career. Okay. You guys, now I know that I kind of like, um, side, side swiped you with this. Cause you guys were thinking I was talking about something else, but just, I want to see if you have any thoughts about that. If you guys have any techniques that you guys do for keeping in, in touch with people.
0: Uh, no, it's great. I mean, that, you know, I mean, I think, yes, there's networking and then there's building and maintaining your network of contacts. And I think you're right in now that we're talking to differentiate the two in, in, in a way, Um, uh, however, it's still, it's still networking and it's, but it's a grown up version of networking and it's it's like networking by stealth because you are still wanting, I mean, deep down, you are still maintaining contacts in order to find work or at least to, to have work happen. Not necessarily right here, right now, but you know, you're sowing seeds, which is a, a very grown up. Uh, and very pragmatic and practical, and 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 probably the best way uh, to do it. Um, but it's still you're still you're still doing it from the from the point, And I'm not saying you shouldn't, but you're still doing it from the point of hoping that there is work. And maybe along the way, you you find friends who become yeah. friends, uh, and because of that, you get work. And I mean, from 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 my point of view, I mean, you know. <laughs> I've never got down to the point of, which is, I think it's a great thing and it's a great takeaway for people who are listening is uh, is writing, you know, putting it down in your diary and, and, and being that organized with it. I mean, I've always come from the sort of William H. Macy school is work with uh, your friends and people that you like um, as much as possible.
2: All right. right, and I'm and I'm just to, just to interject. Like, I'm not saying that if you hate someone, you should put them in your diary and maintain contact with them purely because this person's going somewhere. Like, it it it's kind of a combination of both, where it is people that you enjoy working with and that you want to keep in touch with, but it just helps to have that list so that you go, oh yeah, I haven't talked to that person uh, in in a, in a while because you know the worst thing is. You hear about someone that you worked with three years ago, and now they're doing something fantastic, and you haven't kept in touch with them, and you're going to say, "Oh, but I." The first time you're going to contact them is is when you're asking them for something. I don't think so.
0: But you're doing the sensible thing, which is, if you get on with them, you capitalize on that, and you, or at least you nurture it, which is sounds completely. Um, rational and completely sensible to me and it's the right thing to do i think i for me the last 10 years even though i've been acting i've been invited to act now maybe it's kind of what you're talking about i've been invited to act by directors who i've worked with in the past and
2: i've kept in touch with Mm -hmm. Uh, that's right or or talking about you know for for uh, you gary you've been like you've maintained like you and i have maintained a relationship now i'm not saying that uh I've only kept in touch with you because I've got you on a list, but I've kept in. I it it it's part of it, you know, and it's because and and knowing you and knowing that I have you in this in my stable of people, right? Right. Is is has led to you coming to Prague to do workshops? For sure. You know what I'm saying? So it's sure. so I think it's a technique. Like I said, this t- this is a technique that was from the business world that I was like, oh, this is this is really good for for us because. All of our relationships are so brief, you know, when you're doing a show, but I'm, but it's not just something that's for actors. You could do it for directors, meet with working with producers or with actors that you'd like to work with in the future, you know? Right, right. So there's all kinds of ways. Okay. Uh, Sorry. I'm, 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 I get very excited. So I, I tend to interject a lot. So Andrea, what do you, what do you think?
1: Oh, I think your idea is fabulous. I mean, it's, um, a disciplined approach to it. And, um, I think it's super helpful for actors to take as, as solid advice, you know, um, you know, some really practical solutions like that, that allow you to be as authentic as possible and build upon people whom you want to retain in your circle. And, um, who know you as a person and as a performer and, um, you know, where there's already some mutual trust and respect that's been established, then I think that's, you know, a really terrific, um, orderly way to go about it. And, um, you know, hats off to you for, for having, you know, having the discipline and the the faith to keep doing that. I think it's, I think it's terrific. Just one other one, one little suggestion I want to offer around this topic is sort of no matter what the, what the effort is that an actor chooses to engage in, um, if you can, maybe this is m- more critical for some personality types than others, but I have found this helps me. If I come at it from the standpoint of helping others rather than seeking something for myself, uh, it is Absolutely. so much easier. It is so much easier for me to write to my um, showrunner friend and say, you have to see this performance that I just saw from somebody. She'd be awesome on your show or man, I need to hook you up with so-and-so because I think you two would really hit it off. Um, That is super easy for me. And that's probably been the basis of a lot of my friendships and relationships over the years. Um, By the same token, I find that when I walk into an audition or if I am sending something out that's, you know, that's really got a professional angle to it like this, if if I even just have the thought, you know, maybe Andrea, they need something that you can offer them. You know, maybe you're of service at this moment. Maybe when you walk in the casting director is going to feel relieved finally. I don't know, but there's that possibility that you're going to make life better for somebody by doing this. It's just a little possibility it's a possibility that you can help. And that helps, that has helped me to come at things from um, an authentic, willing, open place. So I think that whatever your methodology is, you know, it's really worthwhile, as we've talked about today, to look at the emotional piece of it for you. Is there a struggle? Is there a, is there a, something that you need to get past, this, or something you need to come to, to terms with? And then find a way that's really an authentic communication piece for yourself that that is going to enhance not just your business, but your life.
0: And I, th- I think what you're talking about there, Andre, which is also what Brian is talking about, but slightly mm-hmm. sort of a slightly different angle, is the long game. You're both playing the long game. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you know, which perhaps a lot of young actors might not be aware of. You know why, why, and so this is invaluable advice. I wish I'd have had this. uh, You know, I wish I'd have had this um, (laughs) strategy when I was younger, for sure. Yeah. You know, it's the long game, and you know, there's a lot of people who, whether they know it or not, actors, I mean, are not necessarily aware of the long game or 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 think of it in terms of the long game because that's That's going to nourish you professionally, but also, you know, personally and
2: spiritually. And to, to build on that, I mean, even, even looking from audition to audition, um, each audition, it's not, of course, whether you get the role or not, that's important, but, but each audition, if you can look at the audition as a, as a chance to further that relationship with the casting director or with the, or with the director, if you happen to meet the director when you're there, then that, that's. I mean, that is, again, looking at it from from the, the kind of marathon rather than the sprint angle. It's the accumulation of layer after layer of audition after audition after audition with a certain casting director before they know you well enough to call you in for the role that's right for you, that you can book. Or, um, or with that director to say, oh, this is where I'm going to put you. This is where you fit in terms of wh- where it is. That's I think if you put yourself in that headspace, it takes the pressure off of any particular audition, because every audition is furthering that goal of of creating that kind of relationship and creating that kind of uh, to to you know to kind of put it in a broad sense of network. You know that that's that casting director will be part of your network in a certain sense. Right. Right. In that way.
0: Right. I think. I, I think this really has been a sort of erudite lesson on the phrase of network or networking rather networking tonight Mm. i think we need to bring this to an end but what i'd like to do with before we do that is just uh you know at the end of it we always ask ourselves has there anything in the last week since we last spoke that has stood out for you in terms of a performance or a tv series or a movie or a play or uh, something that you've read or a painting or anything
1: for me, music is really where, um, where I'm finding I need to be right now. So I've been listening to some orchestral music. I've been looking again at uh, interviews with musicians as well as interviews with actors. But really, I'm I'm looking at breaking down the music a little bit in terms of its creation. Um, and... That's been really a lot of fun, I'm listening to some Beethoven and just giving myself some time to also practice the listening skills that we were talking about earlier, I'm really exploring that um, for myself as I'm asking my child to really <laughs> be an oral listener. I'm trying to do the same for myself. So that's where I've been finding my, my own satisfaction.
0: Great. You say Beethoven. Which, which piece in particular?
1: Oh, do 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 doo do. You know, a lot of art uh, to joy, uh, which I performed with the Angel City Chorale and with um, the uh, no, not with, not with Angel City. I did it with um, the Los Angeles Master Chorale. God, was it Master mm. Chorale? Fantastic. One of the Los Angeles chorales that I was involved with. And it's a magnificent piece to perform, but also to listen to. It just, I don't know, it just blows me away. The build is is phenomenal. So I, I'm breaking that down for myself a little bit, listening to the instruments as much best I can. To, I'm just really sort of pulling it apart and exploring it. And I love it.
0: Great. great. So uh, anyone out there, go and listen to some Beethoven, see see what yeah. it does for you. Brian?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think music is also on my list this week. I've started playing the piano a lot more, and mm-hmm. just getting back into the pieces that I was that I was playing, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and just kind of really getting can into that. And I think that's
1: because I need to. I need to yeah. let people know that you're an amazing pianist. He probably will not say this for himself, but he is a really, really talented pianist.
2: Wow! Well, so continue I know that. I I think, yes. I think that's very generous of you to say, uh, I, I enjoy doing it very much. I don't think I would ever play, uh, for people. Um, so to speak, I, I might've played a little bit, but I, I don't think of myself as a, as someone who is like a performing pianist, but I definitely enjoy doing it, but it's, but I've really, you know, there's this sense of, um, peace that I have when I'm when I'm playing and just getting back into you know I've 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 relearned um Rhapsody in Blue and um so I've been playing that a lot and uh you know or some Rachmaninoff or something like that so there's so that personally for me is is has been this past week I've been really doing that quite a bit and so um that's where I find my little little bit of joy in the in the world how about you Gary what have you been what have you seen or experienced recently
0: well, I—I I mean, I'm using this time. I'm working a lot during the day, but in the evenings, i am always i am i am I, I'm, I'm forcing myself to have a cut-off point and—and—and—and and, and, and diving into a lot of films and TV series while I've got the chance. Um, and I've just picked up on um, you know, something you mentioned last week, which was Succession, because I'd heard so much about it, and um, yeah. So I—we're pretty much, uh, in fact, we've got the last episode to watch tonight. So I'm—I'm I'm going to finish this. You
2: blazed through it
0: a lot oh yeah in it's one- so
2: good isn't it isn't it amazing
0: well here's the thing it is amazing however Uh-oh. however i'm kind of it's like 90% amazing and then there's 10% i'm undecided about <sighs> i i there is a virtuosity to it and there is a there is there is a brilliance to it and there is a uniqueness to it because there's so dark in its comedy as well there's i didn't realize it was it was so um uh, humorous in its sarcasm yeah. and in its, you know, these guys, are such a dysfunctional family, and mm-hmm. there's characters in this in this family that, uh, if you read on paper, you'd go, "Yep, yeah, I get it." That would make sense in this world of this this sort of media empire, um, who basically own the whole sort of one of the biggest, if not the biggest, media uh, companies in the world, and their family, you know, and 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 and, but then if you read it, you'd go, "Yep." Yeah, but then the way it's embodied and materialized, it's like wow, yeah. And it, 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 the one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm undecided about because there is so much brilliance about it is, it's relentless in the sense that, and it becomes a bit of a one note. I'm like, when there's no journey, there's just from start to finish, people insulting each other in a very intelligent way <laughs> and being dysfunctional, and it's like. It grabs you by the throat, and then at the end of the episode, you're like, "Okay, I'm, I don't I enjoyed that, but I certainly had an experience, and I certainly feel my guts have kind of turned inside out." And so, I don't know. There's, there, I'm used to a little bit more of kind of being. Losing myself in something and going on a journey and and all the rest of it and and mm. this is kind of doing the opposite and it's slapping me around the chops and and keeping me awake and <laughs> <laughs> but it, but some of it the characters are fantastically drawn yeah and you know, and and it, it, there is some incredulous moments which I find unique I, I didn't think it would be so it's not it maybe my, the ten percent I'm not sure about is because it's kind of different to anything that's preceded it and what should be or what i expected to be a deeply serious dramatic piece is a deeply serious dramatic piece with a bit of a skewed accent on it does that make sense to you brian Mm -hmm. if you because you've seen Mm.
2: yeah Uh, yeah uh
0: so anyway that's what i've been immersed in uh which i will be around tonight great okay well that means tonight's edition of vagabond to a close thank you very much that's it great thank you we'll
2: see you guys next time yeah can't wait see you next time